Today's episode, I'm joined with Kristen Taylor of Kristen Taylor Consulting, where we'll discuss the imposter syndrome, how to identify it, and how to deal with it. But first, let's roll the intro. Welcome to AI Nerd, AI with Attitude. And today I'm giving attitude once again to Kristen Taylor. Kristen, how are you? I am doing today? well. I am doing I, so well. I, Thank you for having me. I, you know, any time that I can waste your time is my pleasure. Um, you know, last time we spoke, I was so intrigued about this thing called imposter syndrome. And we, we've had a couple of conversations afterwards. I, I really wanted you, because I think it's really important, but I wanted you to explain today what it is, why I should give a, should I cuss? Why should I give a shit? That's a future episode for us, I think, of using cuss words to relax. Yeah. But why should I care? Why should anyone care? What is it? And, and I think mm -hmm. I'd like you to talk about how to deal with it. Um, so I'm going to give you the floor. Thank you again for joining. Let's dive into it. Imposter syndrome. What is it? What is imposter syndrome? So I'm actually pulling up some stuff here to make sure I stay on track. So imposter syndrome is incredibly common and it's very, very uncomfortable. Um, that's a subtle word for people are really suffering with it. They're really struggling with it. So basically it's like a collection of feelings um, that something's wrong. Like you're not as competent and you're not as successful despite evidence to the contrary. And so these collection of feelings can be anywhere from like anxiety, it's a lot of self-doubt, Thomas. It's overwhelm. There's this constant feeling of comparing yourself to others. And when you do compare yourself to others, you're just not measuring up. And so you find yourself doing things like overworking. There's a lot of perfectionism. Like if it's not perfect, then perhaps someone will notice that I'm not competent enough. I'm not prepared enough. Somehow I slipped through the cracks. I did really well in the interview. I don't know how this luck is happening, which leads to fear of taking risks. And yeah, it's this feeling like at any moment, despite evidence of my success, I will be found out as a fraud. I feel like that every moment with my children. With your children? Yeah? You're not really my dad. One of <laughs> them, really particular, dad. by the way. Um, there's no way I was involved. She looks so much like my wife. It has nothing to imposter syndrome. It's more of a clone syndrome for her. But in all, in all reality, because I got to keep it lighthearted. Otherwise, I may start crying because you're really hitting close to my strings in the syndrome here. Um, you know, I think uh, I think a lot of people feel this. Of, oh, yeah. You know, fake it before you make it. This social mm -hmm. media world where, you know, truly the word follower is the right word as opposed to mentor leader. You know, like, yeah. like there's a whole different mentality with that and how you feel and your, your image and especially if you're starting your own company or you just got a new job or you're unemployed. Heck yeah, Somehow, that's exactly the, the right. syndrome, it, yeah, the syndrome applies against everybody regardless of where you are, right? You could be the CEO of a company that's making millions mm -hmm. and you feel like, oh my God, I'm, I'm just full of it. So maybe exactly. talk a little bit, tell me a little bit more about that. You know, I think, you know, personas are great, but uh, to, to use, and if you can use one, that's fine. But I mean, this is really impactful. And, and does this like, and, and maybe talk about also with, how does this, does it trigger depression? Is it a cause from depression? Just speak to the kind of like the, where does it manifest, I guess? Is well, it? well, let me, let me talk about that in a moment. So what I want to do is just really echo exactly what you said. We live in a world with so much about like branding and what you look like. And there's just so much like content and how you package yourself and <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. And so there's this separation, there's this duplicity between how you feel inside versus how you present. So it creates this lack of integrity 
and it feels like psychologically very unsafe because here's who you think I am, here's how I experience myself, and the gap can be so wide that suddenly just moving around in your own skin and finding your own words and connecting with others can feel incredibly stressful. So what I want to talk about in terms of does it stem from anxiety? Does it create anxiety or depression? You said depression, actually. Um, that can be a little bit of like the chicken and the egg. What I'd rather talk about, and it's also, it can be sort of a, a pathology, uh, it's like we're pathologizing people. And I'd rather move away from that. What I want to talk about is actually what's happening in terms of the neuroscience. Like when you feel this gap or when you feel nervousness, we instantly tell ourselves stories. We try to make meaning. And when we're feeling feelings that are uncomfortable, typically the beliefs we create as a result of this physiological sensation we experience, they're really limited and they're based in what's wrong with me. I feel like that would create an emotional spiral. Self-doubt, exactly right. and then, and then you exactly start right. misperforming. It's like a self-fulfilling prophecy of what you thought you'd become, and found out, and you end up making it happen. Well, it's true. That's what limiting beliefs do. So what happens? There's this big fancy word called neuroplasticity. Have you ever heard of that big fancy word, neuroplasticity? I absolutely have not. Okay, so neuroplasticity is the idea that essentially we can rewire our brains. That who we are by the time we are grown-ups is not fixed in nature, but if we practice different habits of thought or behaviors that we can, like if you think of your brain as a power grid and you've got all these different neural networks, if you continue to say to think the same limiting thoughts over and over and over and over again, those neural networks become more deeply grooved and wider. They're the highway that we most often use. And maybe there's some back roads, which would be better thoughts to think to support more integrity between how you appear and who you are. Um, so what I'm saying is this emotional spiral, it's like you see any evidence or fear in the world of like, oh, this person is going to ask me a question. I won't know the answer. So let me go into this limiting belief system. You're just back in it over and over. That's the highway you travel. And so what I am saying, and the work that I do is around the intersection of neuroscience, psychology, and mindfulness. And so it's slowing down that process. And when I work with clients, what I first want to do is just normalize and validate because you're, they're yeah. not alone. you're not alone. I'm not alone. This is a very common feeling and experience, and it creates very disempowered narratives. But I then want to say, what is happening to their bodies and how their interpretations and how they strive to make meaning then invites these disempowered narratives. So what I do is I share with them, okay, so when you experience this, this common term is trigger, maybe you're about to do a podcast be on YouTube, <laughs> maybe you're about to present something on- It never YouTube. happens, what are you talking about? Right, right. And you feel fear or anxiety or stress. You can think of it as an amygdala hijack. So the amygdala is the most primitive lizard part of our brain. It is that fight or flight response. You know, in caveman times, it was saber-toothed tigers coming at you. Are you gonna fight or are you gonna flee? 
So although in current modern times, our life is not in peril, our brain doesn't know the difference when we see a threat or we feel exposed or we're doubting ourselves, and our body responds. The amygdala, it's the emotion center of the brain, lights up and then it really impacts our autonomic nervous system and you get like sweaty palms, like pounding heart, blood pressure going up and we're like, oh, validation, there's something wrong with me. I should be hiding. Someone's gonna see that I don't know what I'm doing or whatever it is. And then we create those thought patterns. So let, me, I, let, me ask, let me ask you a question. So to please. the person though, when this is happening, is, is it likely their brain is thinking, why is this happening to me? Or is it more, is it even to that point? I mean, cause I think what you wanna answer is identifying what is happening, not the why. And the why should be, I mean, it's, yeah. so to maybe separate between this two and, and I think you mm-hmm. noticed, you, it said something you do the intersection of neuroscience and psychology and mindfulness, but where's witchcraft in this as well? Is there some? <laughs> well, you know what, if it works for you, go for it. I invite- okay, good, cause I, I'm all about the witchcraft, like burning incense good. and going around the house and getting the spirits out. I think this may be needed, but prove me otherwise. Tell yeah. me about though, how, how the person, and, and so if you're in that moment, you're starting to feel this and you've, you're one of the 98 people who've watched the video, um, it's, and you're like, oh, I'm so glad I watched that video. What is it I do? How do I recognize it in the moment? And because that's going to set up what I have to go do about it next. Right. So let me get back to the what versus why. Not the witchcraft part. The witchcraft part could be a super interesting conversation. The what versus why. The what versus why. So it's really about connecting with what is happening and what do I need. So what is happening is just recognizing that we are having an evolutionarily, biologically survival-based response is not an indication of who you are. It's an experience that you're having. And so what I do is I teach people how to slow it down and how to recognize that you are literally not in your right mind in those moments. So if you are trying to endeavor to answer why is this happening, you're not in your prefrontal cortex where you have executive functioning and expansive thinking and creativity and insight and self-awareness. You are in your lizard brain. You are in a very primitive part of your brain that is not equipped to answer why. So it will shape narratives of why that are fear-based and limited, disempowered, really fault-finding, I'm broken. So they're not reliable. Those thoughts are not reliable. You need to tune in, and this is the mindfulness piece of just simply bearing witness without judgment to, oh, my heart is pounding. So it's going into the body rather than into the faulty thinking habits that originate from the amygdala. Calming the body, and I will teach this to you and everyone who is listening, so that you can then learn to self-soothe and replace those faulty thinking habits with logic, comfort, reassurance, like you would for a child. If someone fell down or was scared, you wouldn't just say, you're a loser, you're horrible, everyone's gonna see that you, whatever, whatever. You would say- Wait, that's not the right technique? Oh. Well, that may be the imposter syndrome thing for you as a father. Yes, I think we're getting somewhere. I do it for other kids. I don't do it for other children (laughs) that aren't mine. I feel it's more appropriate. To make there you go. Up. You're very wise. Uh, so is this ask, making me, sense, Thomas? Let me pause. Is this making sense? No, it, it does. And, and I'm glad I don't have to say the word amygdala. Don't like that word. Look at you, amygdala. I had a practice for two weeks, knowing that I may have to say that word, and I'm not saying it anymore. But <laughs> uh, what I was, is, is 
Okay, so you have the imposter syndrome. You feel like it's, you know what's going on with it. You're starting to find ways to work through it um, without understanding all the details. Tell me like kind of how, tell me what your role would be in, in that, in, in learning that yeah. behavior. So when I work with people, it's really client-centered. I know that term is overused, but I want to understand their stories. I want to understand the stories that they're telling themselves. I want to understand their experience. One of the most important thing when I sit down to work with someone for the first time is that they feel seen, heard, and understood. That is such a rarity, especially as someone who's struggling with imposter syndrome because of that duplicity of how I show up in the world versus my internal experience is so vastly different. I need to create safety and that's their empathy. And then the next thing I do is I want to explain that what they're feeling and the thoughts that originate from this amygdala hijack are not reliable. So I break down some of the, the science for it. And then I explain, you know, kind of like I did with you just really briefly, that um, when you start to connect with the body, I want to connect people more with the body than with the thoughts. I ask them instead of saying, why is this happening? That is the worst question when you're attempting to emotionally regulate and get out of imposter syndrome because it invites the emotional spiral because you're looking for evidence typically, and this is neuroscience and neuroplasticity out of habit. You're looking for evidence to say, why is this happening? Well, because here's how I struggle. Here's how I'm wrong. Here's where I'm broken. Here's evidence from my past. In psychology, there's a term called negativity bias. We tend to remember more traumatic events or negative events. Again, it's based in survival. But I'm trying to shift the lens. And the way to do that to quiet things is just tune into your body. I teach them a breathing technique to help slow down the response to engage the relaxation response. And then we do some like cognitive behavioral therapy in the sense of reframing. But this so isn't done, done on the spot, right? This isn't this done is, what? Like I wouldn't be in a meeting also. And I feel like this is like one moment. Gosh, no. Okay. No. So this is something you do preparing to go into where you think this might be a stressful yeah. situation. This is something you practice daily. Practice daily. It's like getting in shape. Like, let's say you were on a soccer team. You don't just go out there and play soccer. You have tons of drills. So it's like you're getting your brain in shape. So I'm helping them through um, mindfulness. If they are up for it, meditation, breathing exercises. You're rewiring how your body is either prepared for or can respond to stress. So that, remember I was talking about neuroplasticity, really hard to say. They're not just following the same highway that's led them to imposter syndrome over and over and over again. They're attempting to create new neural pathways to um, different experiences of themselves in the moment and to be more emotionally resilient in the face of stress or, you know, opportunity. So, you know, since I love pre-consulting, let's go to... Tell me the technique. I mean, like, so, you the know, breathing technique. Yeah. Like, what do you do to, unless you want to say more about the topic, but you know, I don't want you to give it all away for free. I want people to actually call you and say, I may have this problem. Um, <laughs> not, nor, nor could you ever do any, you have to have, everyone's different a little bit and there's nuances yeah, there. For sure. so, exactly. Uh, tell me though, just the basic thoughts of the technique in, in maybe in its simplicity form of where you start and then where you end up. Okay. So, um, uh... So I'm gonna just like try to explain this as quickly as possible. So we have this autonomic nervous system and there are two branches, this central, or excuse me, um, 
sympathetic nervous system and there's the parasympathetic nervous system. What I teach them is how to down-regulate engaging the parasympathetic nervous system, okay? The sympathetic nervous system, when we inhale, when we breathe in, we are engaging the sympathetic nervous system, which ups our heart rate, ups our blood pressure. When we exhale, we are, it's like pumping the brakes and it helps to decrease the heart rate, decrease the blood pressure. So I teach them something called ratio breathing. Some people do straw breathing. What it is, it's um, a balance of you breathe in through your nose and out through your mouth, but your inhale is say a count of four and your exhale is a count of eight or more. So what you're doing is you're slowing down the autonomic nervous system to engage the relaxation response. And you can do that for about two minutes, sometimes 30 seconds. And you will notice physiologically that your heart rate goes down. And what you're also doing is you're dimming down the amygdala so it's not in the hijack as you engage in the relaxation response so that, Thomas, you can start to engage the prefrontal cortex. Let's try it. All right, what do we gotta do? Two, you wanna try it? Okay, well, let me, let, me, let me demonstrate first because yeah, I'm just Patient. throwing- Patient, let's do this. Okay, come on. <laughs> All right, so what this looks like, and I'm just gonna show you, um, I'm gonna breathe through my nose, and actually I'm gonna show you straw breathing because straw breathing is helpful because it purposely helps you slow down the exhale. You wanna extend the exhale, okay? So when exhaling, What's that? A, I didn't bring a straw today. So. No, no, no. We don't. We don't need any any props. Visually, just imagine you are breathing through a straw or through pursed lips, or like you are whistling. Straight straw, when it curves, or the one with the, the like the kid when it cut the loops. Amazing questions. Well, if if a crazy straw is helpful for you and it slows it down, that's the one you want. Whatever slows it down, you pick your straw of choice. Okay, not a drug. Big straw. Big gulp. Big gulp straw. Big, big gulp straw. Big double wide. Okay. Yeah. You might want a skinnier one. Okay, but here, I'm gonna demonstrate, okay? I'm gonna just do it four times, four breath cycles. And I'm gonna use my little fingers here to show you what I'm doing. In through the nose, out through the mouth. So. I'll just do one. So you notice. In for how many and out, out for how many? I choose, and you find your own rhythm. I like four and eight. Some people like, you know, three and seven, or some people like five and 12. It, you find the ratio, it's tuning in. It's like biofeedback. You tune in with your own body. And I'll say, and what? How about 12 and one? <laughs> wrong. You got the ratio wrong. You want fewer on the inhale, more on the exhale. I'm going to try. Okay, you can try. Do I have to make any weird? Okay, this is the longest I'll go without speaking. This is great. Right? <laughs> and you can keep your eyes open, you keep them closed, whatever feels most comfortable. First, you're, you're not. There you go. Wait, do I go mouth or nose? Now I forgot. Do I go in nose? Yeah, out mouth? see, you were jumping in. I'm like, whoa, let me slow this down. So it's in through the nose, out through the mouth, and it's in for, say, try it my way with my ratio, just so you don't have to think about anything. Four and eight. Four and eight. There. So in through your nose with your mouth closed. And then when you exhale through pursed lips as if you're pushing through a straw, do it for a count of eight. Okay. By the way, this is the same technique I use right before a three foot birdie putt. I, I'm not kidding. This is the same. I don't, I'm having a hard time hearing you. The same technique. Three, you 
The free count I use is a four to eight for a birdie putt of three feet or less when it's very nerve wracking. Oh. He's putting. Everyone's in the cloud. This is like a golfer announcer now. It's I great. know. I, I felt oh, it. Oh, nice putt. He made it. Very good. Okay. It's a golf clap. Anyway. Um, okay. Let's try this. Serious. <clears throat> in the nose. Perch lips out. Ready? Yep. Count of four. Inhale through the nose. Count of eight. Exhale slowly, extending it through pursed lips. Look at you nailing the straw, breathing okay. like you feel it like the, the tension go. That's one breath cycle. Imagine if you did 20. No, I pass out and get people say they're tingly, they're relaxed. Yeah, I, I would agree. I'm going to try it. Yeah. I'm not going to do it now because I would have this weird feeling of dreadfulness that someone might find me as a fault that I'm not really doing it correctly. Um, I, I'd create imposter syndrome. That's familiar with what's so funny. Part. You know, you know, Thomas, it's so funny that you say that because most of the people I work with, they're, they'll say, can I turn the camera off? Because they're like the performance anxiety right. gets in. Mm -hmm. I'm just doing it for the consciousness of time. And if I do it now, then people may fall asleep. If they have made it this far, I'm very happy. And their reward for them, but I don't want to put them to sleep halfway through. I get that. That is certainly going to work. Okay. So you start with that. Thank you for sharing start with that. that. Start yep. with that now. Is that it? Or what would the then next step? Once you've mastered so then the that. Next, so then the next step is emotional regulation because they are still experiencing, you know, with self-doubt might come anxiety or you talked about depression. We have these feelings that regularly move through us and we tend to think my feelings are who I am. They are valid. They are true. And what I say, this is the mindfulness piece. And it's not just what I say, what a lot of people who practice mindfulness um, invite people into a conversation about is rather than recognizing anxiety as like, oh, we, we tend to do two things, we either push emotions away because they feel like crap, like anxiety, or we over-identify. Anxiety must mean I'm broken. And so what I teach them to do is instead of going, why do I feel anxious? That invites the spiral. I say, where do you feel anxiety in your body? So it depersonalizes it. You don't couple the feeling with who you are. You're just saying, so do you feel it in your gut? Do you feel it in your heart? Do you feel it in your face? And then we go into a process and I have a little process that I lead people through of comforting it, letting it be there so that it can move through you, but just comfort it. Instead of pushing it away, what do you need to, what does the anxiety need to, to be reassured, to be comforted? And then maybe it is, and I love working with people who have children in this way because they do it constantly with their own children, is they say, you know, it's going to be okay. This too shall pass. I've done harder things. I'm not alone. And so they find the words. I don't. And this is where it gets exciting. So some people are atheists and they're like, nope, I just need to like, just tune in with myself, connect to logic. Some people connect to something transcendent. They imagine like, okay, you like the presence of God. Like I need to connect with that. Some people like my dog is my world. I just imagine him on my lap, whatever is most comforting. They learn to self-soothe and acknowledge feelings rather than pushing them away or over-identifying. So that is taking can take an hour to do with someone. I just like walk you through it really quickly. What if what makes you soothe is a bar mm -hmm. of chocolate with a vodka? In that, I would say that's a little maladaptive, but understandable. <laughs> but, but I'm asking in a joking manner because that's what I do. Um, is uh, that's numbing. 
is is what if that like what if your behaviors of soothing are are actually part of the root cause problem? Well, what you're talking about there, Thomas, is when people turn to whether it's chocolate or a fifth or whatever it is, it's a way of numbing, it's self-medicating so that you don't feel. And I'm inviting the opposite, which is to say, instead of pushing feelings away and tuning out, we're tuning in. Do you hear the difference? I, I think so. I wasn't listening. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> ah, I, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm in a humorous. Oh my God. It's like I'm talking to my husband. <laughs> Four putt. How can I? Anyway. Um, so that, you know, I mean, that's he, actually really powerful. Do you, do you honestly hear the difference between that? And yeah, Tuning and, and, and you're, you're right though. So I, I think that's what I was getting to in a serious manner is because, um, and I'm always one by the way, when I have a very serious topic, I like to deflect with humor. That's my coping me mechanism. And so you've made me uncomfortable. To know you. The more humor I got, the more you're hitting home, just so you know, you're nailing it. Um, but understanding that that is a true, true thing, right? And a lot of people do that. Some people drink, some people eat chocolate, some people- Of um, course, don't think I haven't. Like this stuff is not easy. Right, exactly, and and it isn't, and, and and whenever you have to talk about yourself or feel yourself overcoming something that you don't want to deal with, yeah. oof, that's like the worst. Oh. Like, um, yeah, so okay, tune in, let the emotions happen, recognize them, and then let them pass, and then figure out how to deal with them. And how do you, you know, if you were to think of this in a, I love three steps. I hope there's no more. <laughs> Both I'll three make it. I'll contort it into three. Yeah, but three, but think three of a way to say, I may have this. I've never thought about it in that perspective. Here's a couple of just initial balancing things that may allow me to get my head around to seek actual real help for it. Mm -hmm. And then, but what would that kind of third step if after you've named it, you've, uh, or I, you know, I named it, you've identified. No, I do. So I, it's, let me, let me, let me interrupt you and make your life easier here. So I do. Yeah, it's, a, it's a four step in the, the emotional regulation. It's actually three. I just make it four because of the word. So much of this is based in self compassion. The thing about imposter syndrome, if you find that you are so hard on yourself and you say things to yourself that you would never say to someone you love, there is a chance that you may be struggling with imposter syndrome in the face of stress and challenge that you feel like you have to be perfect. And when you're not, you beat yourself up. That's a telltale sign. And so, so much of the work that I have, that I do with people is around, um, it's, it's foundationally, we have to start with some self-compassion and cultivating self-compassion. So I have an acronym, it's called nice when people are, um, I'm teaching them how to emotionally regulate. So you are dead on right. It's got to name the feeling. And then I encourage them to invite the feeling. Where do you feel it in your body? But working with someone like myself, a coach, I, under, I work to understand their window of tolerance. I'm not going to push them into the deep end. If they've spent 40 years not feeling stuff, I'm not going to be like, what does that feel like? You know, we'll edge into it. And then it's about comforting the feeling. And then it's about easing into a new narrative. You get to choose what are the thoughts I want to replace these limited belief systems with, okay? And so when you were asking, so how might I know if I have this? Well, if you feel like you're living with a level of anxiety, professionally or otherwise, where you feel like you are separate from other people and you have to prove yourself, and there's this big gap between how you feel you present and who you are, and it's creating anxiety, and you're dealing with that amygdala hijack, the symptoms of you know, elevated heart rate, clammy palms, dry mouth. Anytime you feel like you have to perform and you feel like this is taking a toll, there yeah. are ways to deal with it that are better than chocolate and a fifth whiskey. Well, I'll tell you what though, those, those symptoms also sound like, uh, not that I have, 
smoking weed. So I don't know. I mouth, call me. <laughs> I'm going to take it. I think nice stands for no, I can't even. Oh, I like that. I, I, I thought I that was what it stands for. I don't think it stands for that, does it? No, it does not. Yeah. No, I can't even. No, I can't even. See, that is, what, yeah. What, what does it stand for? You, you had said it, and I think you were leading to that, but I, I'm curious, what does NICE, your, your acronym? It's a, so it it's, a nice. well, it's, it's a little bit different. It's not a nice, it's, it's nice is name the feeling. I is invite the feeling. C is comfort the feeling. Ease is now that you started to like emotionally regulate, ease into a new narrative, a new belief system, starting to practice a new belief system in the face of challenging emotions. That sounds way better in line with what you're trying to do than what I came up with. Because mine seems like Yours is like real. No, I can't even. Catchy, but wrong. <laughs> I think it's how people feel prior. They're nice becomes right. your needs. So. Oh, I like that. Yeah. That's you can take that. I, I, I just, I'm just, I've had coffee. I so totally I will. Thomas, I totally will take that. Like that may show up. Your nice become, your nice is going to become our nice. Mm -hmm. And then your nice. And together you'll be. See, you should uh, name a feeling. Give me, give, is it like Chuck? <laughs> it could. Is it like, is it like no, turkey? No. So what I'm, what I'm helping people to do, oh, it oh. could be Chuck. I have someone who has Ralph. Um, so um, I'm helping them to increase their emotional vernacular, especially if you're in the habit of pushing the feelings away. Like I remember, my, I'm going to just, you know, wrap my husband out here, but like. I love it, I'm sure. Dating, whenever he had a feeling, he would just say, I don't know, I just feel different. He had one word to describe all feelings and it was different. I just feel different. Would it okay. be better if he said, I feel Chuck? Could be. I'm, I'm not sure you want to continue the relationship, but I just feel Chuck every time I feel weird. Well, that's the same thing as different if it's only one word. So I want to increase their emotional, because feelings are nuanced. So they did a study out of UCLA. It was called affect labeling. And simply putting a name to your feeling really helps in the process of emotional regulation and, and regaining equanimity and calm. And so the more nuanced you can be with like, I feel trepidation, I feel, you know, excited, I feel anxiety, I feel nervousness, I feel anticipation, like to be able, because feelings often aren't just one thing like Chuck or different. Sometimes they're many things. I oh I could go so far. There's also this uh, neuroscientist out of Northeastern University, Dr. Lisa Feldman Barrett, look her up. She talks so much about what emotions actually her in this. Uh, What's that? Taggering this? There you should tagger this because it's fascinating. There's no way. I don't want anybody to believe for a moment. Not, but there's plenty of people who believe a lot of things. That's been proven in our country in the last four years. But um, there, there is no way I think anybody should believe they can solve this themselves. I think you, if you're really in this and you continually feel this, find someone to help you really step through it and create a process nice. that allows you to be sustainable long term. So. Um, well, that's right. People are suffering. I mean, you don't have to suffer alone and there is a way through. I feel like my whole goal in life is to help people alleviate emotional suffering. Yeah, well, that's a good goal. I, I'll, I'd sign up for that. We've already declared in another video that I am not fit to be a client. I think we're changing our thoughts. Um, I'm just giving free session for the, for the purposes of, of, putting, of this. So thank you. I'm just going to start breathing. You know, um, okay, so coming back to serious seriousness with this is that you identify it that if you feel this way it may be imposter syndrome you, you feel you might be found out you find these anxieties feel stress you feel this emotional unequilibrium so to speak mm -hmm. you have 
if you know if you could take a few moments into yourself to say then not why is this happening but just do i feel the physiological things that are happening and what take a moment let it happen if i'm, I'm summarizing it you're doing <laughs> you a good get, job get, get creative call it chuck call the specific one when i feel like this for this chuck this mm -hmm. other one larry this one potato you know whatever mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. Maybe I would argue have a bit of fun with it. Like if you have, you know, if your partner be like, hey, potatoes back, give me a moment while I peel this damn thing. Yeah. Okay. And each kid has their own name. Uh, that would be mm -hmm. good. Mm -hmm. I already have names for them. So I'll do that. Um, mm -hmm. And then finally, after you've named it, you have an, you kind of identify or inquire yourself around the feeling you, you find comfort in doing that. Is that, is that what I mean by that? You say you have full self empathy that it's okay that this is there because I've I recognized love that, that you use. I love that you use self-empathy. I talk about that all the time. So empathy is um, really important. We talk about it all the time, but few people practice it either with other people, particularly they don't practice it with themselves. So I teach people self-empathy in the face of emotional suffering. Mm -hmm. Like, and that the meaning like it, it, to put it in terms that person like myself would probably, I, I mean it as the following, it's okay, this is happening, this is normal. And it's just part of who you're, you know, you're, you're the building blocks of who you are. and how prevalent it is in your life is now my choice to decide. Is that fair? Well, what you were doing there, that's not empathy. Um, that's helpful though. What that is is validation. And that's a bit of self-soothing. Empathy, empathy? empathy would be like, you know, it's really understandable that I'm feeling scared. Fear is a really normal response to this. Oh, it's a step before accept the validation. It's feeling with, it's feeling with. So it's staying with the feeling for a moment. And then it's doing more of the validation and the reframing of like, listen, like it's the pep talk or the reassurance that you would give yep. to a child or your best friend or whomever, right? That's fantastic. Okay, so uh, I think I may do this better myself than I realize because all the time I'm like, You're this pretty good. Be, I, I feel like it's got to be normal. There's got to be other people in this world. That just, I freaking feel I'm right. Say, most world. all of us, if someone doesn't have some of these experiences, I'm like, really? Who are you? Lying. Um, right. Or you're just, you, and sometimes you wonder, right? I wish sometimes it just like, no, everything's good. And you really feel that way. And I, I'd love to be wired that way too. I don't know. I can't imagine that. Sounds awful. The same stroke. You know, um, <laughs> it, I, I, I want to leave it there. And here's why I want people to contact you about this uh, who may feel this way. And I would think maybe the call to action, so to speak, would be, and, and I'll drop a link, obviously, to your, your consulting company that you have. Um, it's not actually sponsoring this, but Kristen Taylor Consulting, we'll drop a link below. It's not sponsoring, but we love her. So we're going to put it in there. It's not a sponsor, Kristen Taylor Consulting. Whatever you do, don't go to the address of Kristen Taylor Consulting. And okay. was there an advertisement there? I don't think I did. You didn't pay anything. Um, so it's attitude, okay? There's a, there's a, that's our next episode, by the way. We're going to leave it there. Kristen, thank you. We are going to jump on another episode here in a few days. Not If you've made it to this, you'll know the tease. We're going to cuss for a whole episode about therapy. And I, and I, but I, it has nothing coaching, to do with Coaching, coaching. Coach, but thank you for, thank you for explaining this today. Because actually, I think even I took something I can start with um, as my first free therapy session. So thank you. Free as all. Even you. <laughs> even, even me, right? Um, thank you so much for the time. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Of course. Cheers. Take care.